Hey everybody, I'm Jeremy. And I'm Jess. And we are two internet friends exploring the intersection of independent business and rails. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Indie Rails. Today, Jeremy and I are going at it alone without a guest. And we have a topic that we want to discuss. Jeremy asked over Twitter what topic we should discuss. And we had a good question from our good friend, Nate Vick. And his question was, what do you look for in a client? So we thought that would be a great topic to discuss. So Jeremy, what do you look for in a client or what do you think people should look for in a client? Yeah, I think this is a great question. There is a lot to get into here. And I think we should try to address this both from what we would personally look for, because I'd love to hear what you look for, Jess, or what you would look for in a, in a new client, but also what anyone ought to look for. Because I think there are some universal things that people should be identifying or evaluating. And then there are things that are more like personal or even like situational or circumstantial. And there are a lot of factors. And I, I guess I'd, maybe I never made a list before, but after seeing Nate post that question, I started making some notes. And there's actually quite a few things that are kind of going through my head when I'm getting to know a potential client, um, meeting with them or seeing how they work and operate. And yeah, so I think there's a bunch to, to get into here. Maybe the first place to start is these universal things that I think no matter who you are and what kind of service you offer, like there are probably some things that everyone should be looking for in a client. And if they don't see them, they may be like red flags or maybe problematic in certain ways. I think one of the first ones for me is, and I'm curious what you're thinking too. One of the first things I'm thinking about is uh, trust. And not trust in a company, but in the person that I'm that's hiring me. It's it maybe the business owner, it may be a tech lead, but someone that's going to be the direct line of communication or the representative with this company and who I will have a primary relationship with. So that's the person that I'm trusting to work directly with me, to honor our agreements, to pay me, to tell me how I'm doing in terms of am I meeting the objectives and goals. And so I think the first thing I'm looking for is, do I think I can trust this person? Because trust is built over time. And do I think I can earn this person's trust? Is that just sort of a gut feeling that you get when talking to them? Yeah, I think it is largely a gut thing. The more interactions you have before you sign a contract or get involved directly, the better it is. This is one of the reasons why I enjoy working through friends of friends or networks, like where you have some proxy for trust because this person is related to someone else that you both maybe care about or who cares about you, where there's some reputation on the line. That's That can be a helpful thing. Without that, if, if you just get a cold connection from the universe to someone that you, you aren't related to in some way, the more you can communicate with them on Zoom calls, meeting in person, in email, the more like you can get a sense, develop a sense for the ability to trust this person, if not now that you could develop that and watching for any things that would make you maybe distrust them. Is there ever a time where you've found a client that wasn't trustworthy? I've had leads that I didn't have a good sense about where I couldn't trust that they maybe knew what they were doing. There are lots of aspects of trust. One is, are they communicating honestly? And can I trust what they're saying? There's also like, can I trust that, that they understand what they need or want from me? 
And can I trust that, that they can and will pay me? There's a lot of things there that related to trust. And it's not simply that they're being honest. You can be honest and really sincere, but not actually know what you're talking about when it comes to engaging with someone to build custom software. Right. Like not trust their leadership and their, their decisions. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are times, you know, it's kind of like that cliche of your cousin's buddy who wants to build an app, but doesn't know, you know what, what it takes to build something or wants to sign an NDA before they even talk about the idea or something like that. There's this cliches. And I think they, they come from that. The reality that some people have ideas for building stuff or have businesses where they think they need an app, but they may not really have an appreciation for what software development looks like, how much it costs, how that process works. And it can be really difficult if they're not open to learning about those things. It may be difficult to engage them in a satisfying way. The way we started off this conversation, there's so many different styles of and situations that you may need a client. Like you may just need a client for a few months to pay the bills. And in that case, you might just kind of take what you can get. As long as they got the money and the budget, then if you're doing something ethical, then it's probably a good fit. But if you're trying to build a long-term consultancy or just a freelance career, then what you're looking for in a client may be totally different. And one of the words that I wrote down when I was thinking about this is I'm looking for a partner. And yes, like what you said about trust is that's what you would look for in a partner too, right? Somebody that you can trust their relationship, their business decisions, where they're leading the company how you work together and deal with one another. So I think those things coincide. Yeah. Yeah. I think just to respond to the situation thing, that's there's definitely times where you may need a client or want to take a client where there are more risks, where like your evaluation of them may not be as pristine as you'd like, but you may still need to do need or want to take a client, engage a client in those situations. And so that's why there's like all these factors and there are risk levels, you know, related to the factors. And then there's also just where you are and your comfort or ability to handle that risk. I think for a lot of freelancers, especially ones I follow online, having clients that, that pay you and pay you on time is like really, really important. That is maybe an underappreciated aspect of that relationship if you're coming from a full-time employment. I've always put so much appreciation to that. One of my first clients was a big law firm here in the Atlanta area. And they're a big law firm. So I imagine they have a lot of accounts payable. So there's probably like this system that your invoice goes into the system and then it comes out in the check run a week before the due date or whatever. And then you get your check. Well, I would send them my invoice and I would send it on like a Thursday or Friday and I'd have a check in the mailbox on Monday or Tuesday. And that always just blew my mind and I appreciate it so much. And it said, like I talked and worked a lot with the CEO and it said so much about him, his company, how they ran their business. And till this day, as soon as I get a bill from a contractor, I pay it immediately. Because I feel like that just says a lot about who you are and what you're doing. That made a big impression on me. Yeah, if you can swing it, it's one of the easier things you can do that really helps that relationship. Like it's you don't it's you're not paying any more per se, but you are like you are doing something valuable for that relationship for that person. I think 
I touched on this a little bit earlier, but I think another big thing maybe to dive into is do they understand what they want or need, or at least have a good process for discovering it? There are a lot of times where someone is tasked with building software or having custom software built, and they may not understand what needs to be built. They may be getting needs together, but if they've never had this responsibility before, if they're getting custom software done, it's probably because they don't build custom software. So they're coming to you to do that. So I'm usually looking for some level of understanding of what their, at least what their customers need or what their, their business is needing and can either look to me for a process for discovering that or they have their own process that seems acceptable to work with. Because short of that, you can get into situations where you are contracted to do work, but it's really unclear what what the goals are, what the outcomes need to be. And so there's like business pressure to get something done, but nobody knows what to get done. And people are looking to you to build a thing that hasn't been specced out well. Yeah, I've been really fortunate with my two companies. When the original founders, both companies came to me, they were non-technical founders and they were very open to my ideas, my experience, and they didn't try to force things that they didn't understand on me. And so I've always been very thankful for that. And so, yeah, that's one thing that I look for when working with people is what are their attitudes towards working on a problem? Do they want to work with you or do they assume to know everything and want everything done their way? That can be a big deal breaker for me. That really varies. I've found like there are clients that almost want to hold the mouse over your hand to say, like, put the button here and make this do this, that, you know, <laughs> like everything, like they want really high level control. And then there are others that have an idea for a feature or a thing to be built, or maybe just like, can you go solve this? And then they just kind of ghost you on, in terms of like any questions you might have. It's sometimes hard to find clients that strike a good balance between micromanagement and sort of abdication of any management or any involvement in the process. I think this is pretty natural. You either really care about something and so you're in all of the details to make sure they're done or you have this thing off your plate and not think about it anymore and not be involved in the problems, the micro problems that come up in solving the larger problem. So I think it's really ideal, I think, when you find a client that has flexibility to let you solve problems using the skills that you have, what they're paying you to do, but is also there to wrestle with the best ways of approaching things or they can be like a regular resource to you to communicate how the business is thinking about the problems to be solved and to speak for the customer and to give you feedback in terms of are you going in the right direction and stuff. Yeah. And people are different. I know like our mobile app developer, he likes for everything to be specced out. He likes to have his designs. He likes to know exactly like if you click on this, what's supposed to happen. Very detailed. Whereas I like to sort of figure those things out sometimes as the feature is developed. I think to either one can work as long as it's clear up front what we're doing, like your process. Because if you don't know what your process is and it changes out from under you, or you have an expectation of what it's going to be and then it changes out from under you, that can be really unsettling. So if it's not explicit, there's sort of an implicit agreement with how the work will be done. And so if I'm coming into the relationship expecting that I'm going to be getting high fidelity mocks of all the pages and all the specs. And I'm going to do, you know, I'm going to do this project to spec. And it's not my fault if I didn't think of something that wasn't in the spec. 
there's that sort of contract almost. And then if it comes back later where I'm not getting things like that, that can be an unsettling shift in the relationship or in the implicit contract with the client. I think it really doesn't matter too much which way you go, as long as we're sort of agreeing up front or have a sense of like how this is going to to work and what the expectations are. But even like what you said about like wanting to do things to spec, sometimes that is because of things that have happened either like sometimes in the past where you got blamed for not thinking of a thing that wasn't spec'd out. And so if there are situations where you're feeling stress because you might miss something and get the client jumps on, the blame. on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That kind of goes back to the trust thing that we trust each other in this and that neither person thinks the other person is perfect, but that we're in this together to solve these problems and that blame isn't going to get us there. And even strict process isn't necessarily going to get us there because even that can fall down sometimes. That's why I think the underlying foundation has to be trust. Yeah, I agree. Like going back to the companies that I work with is I don't think I've ever been blamed or shouted at or they may have been angry at me. Not to my face, but they've always been very understanding if there's problems or an oversight, something like that. And that's super helpful. And I think it allows me to be flexible and you know, work more freely. The next thing that I'm looking for when I'm evaluating a client is, do I care about what they're trying to accomplish? Is there like a mission that I can get behind? And at least for me, finding something in this company or in what we're building that connects emotionally for me. Like, this is why we're doing this. It doesn't have to be like we're curing cancer or something like that. But is there something in this app where I care more than just like a paycheck out of this? I want to find a thing that I... Sometimes it's it's the client themselves. Like, I like this person. I want their business to succeed. But often I like to have something in what we're building in terms of what it's delivering in terms of customer value that I can connect to this helps these users do this and it makes their lives better. And it may be really small, but for me, like having something like that, that's in the center of my vision in terms of what I'm trying to do with and for this client, helps me build empathy for users, helps me build empathy for the client and just helps me like have ongoing passion, what we're doing when I'm in deep in the weeds on some bug or something like that. Yeah, I agree. It doesn't have to be like solving a world problem or like building a Facebook, but I want to know that what I'm building is valuable and is helping like real people, real companies. If it's a, if it's a B2B or something. Yeah. And also just behind that is that I know that if I'm building something valuable, then this company that I'm working with, working on is providing value. And so that's going to just increase the company's value, which is going to increase my relationship with them and it's going to make me more valuable. So everybody is just rising tides. Yeah. It's like this virtuous cycle. The work that I'm doing is creating value for them, which helps them value me more, which makes it easier for me to do my job instead of like, there are other dynamics that can happen where you're building things to prove your value in hopes that what you build can prove your worth so you can stay building things. And that's not a dynamic you want to be in. Like you want to be doing things that where you have good alignment with the client and they have good alignment with their customers. So when you're matching them, they're matching the customers and that creates that nice virtuous cycle there. 
Yeah, there's nothing that takes the motivation out more quickly than if a developer thinks, this is stupid. Why are we doing this? It's, yeah. Or I don't know if this feature is ever going to see the light of day. Like Ooh, I'm building yeah. this thing and it's never going to be used. It's not often that working in a small business that that happens, but it can occasionally happen. I've definitely built features for small organizations that, that did not live, did not make it out. They were concepts that probably should not have been. We shouldn't have put cycles toward those projects or whatever. So it happens. The next thing I think about is, do I have skills and experience to match their needs? Do I have all the requisite skills to meet their needs? And typically for my clients, it's going to be like, we're probably working in Rails. It's very rare that I'm not doing that. Within that, have I solved problems similar to this in the past? Not that I want to solve all the same problems, but is this within my depth? Can I handle this level of complexity or the kinds of challenges here? I'm usually hoping to have something that is challenging, but not too challenging. There's like a level of challenge that like helps you grow personally. And then there's a level of challenge that's like, this is going to stress me out or kind of put me over the edge. And then I won't perform well. And I definitely won't grow then. And it may be hard to figure that out. I think it probably is, especially early in your career, when your skills are, maybe you have a smaller set of tools in your toolbox. You haven't built as many things, so you're not sure what you can and can't do, what your limitations are. So maybe it takes some trial and error there early on. I don't know. Yeah, sometimes when you're first starting, you have to take some risk and you have to say yes to some things that you don't know 100% how to do. And you have to go figure it out. And that's what being a developer is, right? You're learning, figuring things out, and you don't want to say you can do something and not be able to do it, but you got to, sometimes you got to take a risk and kind of know your boundaries and say, I should be able to do that. But yeah, these days, I don't want to be taking big risks like that. Much more comfortable working on things that I'm familiar with. And it also goes along with the client too. If they're like, oh yeah, this is easy, but you don't know that area then that can be very intimidating. And I was actually going to bring that up on a separate topic with how people view the work and do they downplay it and think that that things are going to be easy or like this type of software or this type of feature is simple. That should take no time. That's usually a red flag. Yeah. When, if that <laughs> if comes they're up, telling like, you that in the beginning, oh, this is going to be so easy. It should only take though. X number of hours or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That's a huge red flag because nothing's easy. It's always more difficult than you think. Developers, project managers routinely or commonly estimate half or a third of what it really is going to take because everything seems easy, even if you have experience, but it's always harder than you think it is. It's always unforeseen. The only time you could say it's easy is right after you did it. <laughs> Two years later, you're going to forget if something was hard or easy. You'll say it's easy. Anybody else can't say it. I definitely agree. That attitude, like if you get that attitude of this is easy or this won't be difficult, there's an expectation there of what your work is worth, how hard it is to develop the skills that you have. And if they have no experience in software development or have been disconnected from it for a long time, that's really shaky ground. And it's so much more rewarding when... You know, somebody comes to you and says, is, is this something that you can do? This seems very difficult. And you say, oh, yeah, I do that all the time. And they're like, really? Wow, that's awesome. And it, just look at the difference in the perspective. Yeah, just that 
shift in expectation can create a lot of appreciation from a client where you're not fighting to show your value or worth. That can be a really hard dynamic. I don't think it's always like a problem, like to come in, maybe you land a big client that you really want and they're the kind of client that makes you show your, you know, like prove to us. That may be good in some cases, like where you're trying to grow. But usually I think day in, day out, it's good to have clients that assume or trust that you are providing good value, that they like appreciate the work you deliver. They appreciate the the skills you've developed and sort of have a, a good respect for that. And if they don't understand the details themselves, it's nice if they're, they can say, wow, you do all those things. Like that must be so hard. I think personally, I enjoy it even more when it's someone who understands software well, they like understand software development process and still maintain that sort of level of respect. They have an appreciation for the time and effort involved. They can like, maybe they're sort of coding adjacent and can have an appreciation for all that goes into it. And to me, that can be even nicer because they see the cake getting baked and they can have a clear picture of the time and effort involved to solve the particular challenges and delivering certain solutions. Another thing on my list was, it's nice if you like the people that you're working with. (laughs) Yeah. You know, you don't have to be best friends or anything, but in usually running a business, building software together, you're going to spend a lot of time or you need to spend a lot of time. And I guess that's another part of it is that I want to work with people that are available and they're going to make time for me, whether that's email, hop on the phone, talk through things. So there's that. But also I want to enjoy working with people. Like life is too short to just work with people that you don't enjoy spending time with. That's a nice thing to have. Sometimes you don't have that luxury. And sometimes you just have to to deal with a, a client that you don't enjoy. But if you're looking for long-term partners, obviously that's something that you want to Hopefully you get along and you enjoy working on problems together and solving them together. I think a part of that is related to the client themselves and who they are. I think there's also a part of that's related to how I approach the client. I think the longer I've been doing consulting, the better I'm getting at developing empathy and compassion for a wider range of clients so that I can enjoy people that maybe previously I wouldn't enjoy, or maybe I wouldn't enjoy socially. And I think there can be a difference. There might be some really hard chargers who are difficult kind of bulldogs to deal with, might be really frustrating socially, but that I can appreciate who they are in a professional setting and come to like their style. If I can like see the world from their perspective and give them the benefit of the doubt of why they're approaching things this way. This kind of gets back to mission to like, are we aligned in terms of what we're trying to create in the world, doing good for the company, doing good for the customers and that people's work styles and personalities that come out in that. Sometimes if it was just me, not professional me, me, but just personal me, I might be really frustrated by a person's style. But in that setting where I have the opportunity to work with them, I'm finding like that there's a skill in connecting yourself to someone and valuing the way they approach work. If there are admirable things about it, what can I find that's admirable here? And is this enough to make it so that I can sort of overlook maybe the aspects of the relationship that might be somewhat difficult, the tone that they set in meetings or their confrontation style or something like that. So I think there is like some flexibility there. There's some things that are just like, just maybe a hard no when it comes to certain kinds of people. But then I think there is flexibility in terms of 
if you can develop a rapport and develop an appreciation for certain working styles, then you can work with a broader range of people and actually enjoy it. This next one, I probably should have mentioned earlier. I think it's really foundational. And it's, are we aligned on things like pricing structure, time commitment, and the work and arrangement in general? And this can really vary depending on how your services are, how you're structured, how your business works. Yeah, for sure. When you were first introducing the new topic, I was going to jokingly butt in and say, do they have money? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And how is that money going to be allocated? If you're doing freelance projects where you're going project to project, your pricing structures around that might be very different. You might expect like 50% down on a project that you go into. I'm usually doing long-term fractional roles. And so I'm billing monthly at the end of the month for my work. You can sometimes talk people into scenarios that they weren't initially thinking of doing. And sometimes that can work well and sometimes it won't. For example, like I tend to take fractional roles with companies. And if they're looking for a full-timer, I might be able to talk them into me coming in and working 20 hours a week or something like that. And depending on the circumstance, that might be good for them or it might not. And so generally, I don't want to be misaligned with what they want or need. So I'm, I'm hoping my work arrangement can fit, fit their needs well. Yeah, you don't want to be like go against the grain and be a stress point on the budget or the situation. Yeah, yeah. They may take a risk on you or they may be desperate and say yes to a thing that they normally wouldn't. And you may think, oh, great, I just landed a new client. But then down the road, it turns out that was not a helpful thing, that it wasn't really, the structure of it was not good for them, which turns out not to be good for you. And again, this can depend on circumstances, but trying to understand like, is what I have to offer them really a good fit for them? The way I price things, the level of commitment in terms of my time and attention to this and the overall sort of arrangement we have, is this going to work well for them? Or can I adapt what I have to better fit them? Or can they adapt to me, but not beyond sort of a point where it becomes difficult or really onerous for them to deal with? I think this ties back into what we were talking about earlier with partners too and trust. As an investor or finance background, I'm going to look at this new client maybe as potential investment opportunity. Are they making money? Can they afford to pay me? Because I know if they only have a few clients and they're not generating enough revenue to cover my budget, then that means they're having to pay out of pocket. And you can only do that for so long, right? So you can look at that. But if you can see that things are running good and there's a lot of demand for their product, and they have good sales and they're growing, then that's a totally different. Then you know that, hey, there's budget for me. There's budget for us to grow together. And that's a very positive thing to walk into. That's something I don't think I had a, a much appreciation for when I was starting out. Clients aren't going to come and usually, well, maybe they will sometimes, but usually not telling you like all the details of where they're coming from financially. You're not really privy to that. At this level, you're sort of trying to understand like where they're coming from and the strain that this project might put on them or your relationship might put on them. But you're guessing at a lot of things. You're looking at the signals of who their customers are, what it seems like in terms of their growth, how big their team is, how much demand there is for the product or the thing that you might be helping them to solve. 
the problem that you might be helping them to solve. So maybe this is less of an issue with big companies. I don't know, but I typically work with the smaller ones. So I'm trying to read between the lines, not because I have to know, oh, are they absolutely going to pay me? But more just like, am I really going to be a good fit here? Would it be better for them not to build this custom solution they want? Should I be suggesting they go a different way than work with someone like me? Yeah. I had these clients one time and they took me out to dinner. It was two guys. They partnered together on this project and they were consultants in the enterprise space doing like SAP stuff. So they knew about software. They knew about consulting and they'd already spent a good bit of money on this project and they brought me in the middle of it. And they were asking me about these features and direction and if I could handle it. And they said, we're spending our child's college education on this. Man. And they're like spending thousands of dollars, 20, 30, $100,000. And it just put an immense amount of weight on me, even though I can do what I say I'm going to do. But that doesn't mean that your money's not being flushed down the toilet because your idea or your business fails. But it still is a hard thing to be a part of. Yeah, that creates undue pressure. And again, maybe depending on the circumstances, maybe you're ready for something that's high pressure like that. I'm typically not. I'm typically not thinking, like, oh, I'm, I really want to be in high pressure situations where there's a low likelihood that I will deliver something that we're all happy with at the end of the day. I usually want, I'm looking for a high likelihood that we are going to get along well, that what I deliver is they're going to be very happy with and that what we're building together will succeed. There's one other thing that I had on my list, and that was, could my, and this is, again, is something you're sort of looking at and trying to read between the lines, but could my presence cause a strain or conflict with other people on this team? For example, if I'm an outside freelancer or consultant or something, and there's an in-house dev team, I'm definitely going to wonder like what relationship I have to them if I'm doing something that's in any way related to the work they're doing. Or if I'm interfacing with designers at this company and or if I'm replacing someone or if I need to interface with anybody else at the company. I'm looking for sometimes their internal conflicts in the company and someone won and now they're hiring you, but you don't know what happened and you don't know what the other relationships are. So I'm looking for signs of where there could be strain or conflict that's not really related to me, but related to the person that's hiring me. You just found yourself in the middle of it. Yeah. And that can be just surprising to walk into uh, if you don't understand the sort of boots on the ground situation. And so I think I'm looking for a sense that what I'm coming in to do, it's going to align well also with other people within the company. I want to find out like who else might I be interfacing with. I'm also thinking like if there was anybody else in this company that could be doing, trying to solve the problems that I'm solving, why aren't they? Is there a good reason for it? One that sits well with me that I can understand that really makes sense. If not, I might be concerned about that. And all this is the kinds of things that you kind of develop a sense for maybe over time. But I think it's important to be looking at when you're evaluating a client. Again, maybe it's not the end of the world if you walk into those things and have to deal with them once you're inside. But I don't like being surprised. I like to try to do my homework as much as possible and sort of run down the various scenarios I've run into in the past, evaluate this client against experiences I've had in the past, like sort of check off some of these areas of risk or potential difficulty 
just ahead of time. And if there are things that I see that are sort of red flags, then I might be pumping the brakes to try to understand that more or get more alignment up front before we engage so that we're not like engaging in something and then having to solve problems that start after the contract signed. I like clients, like two companies that I work with now. I think I would just want pretty much the same thing. A small team. I like it when the people that I'm working for, the founders, if they have some sort of foothold in the industry already and they have a knowledge, maybe they've worked in that industry before, they've seen an opportunity. That gives me a lot of excitement that they're not just taking a flyer and trying something new. So they've identified an opportunity. They have contacts already in the industry. They want to start small. They don't want to go build a $5 million software project. They want to test their theory and proper agile development, solve a niche with an MVP, build that. Or maybe they've already done some of that, but it's a company that has a small team that has some success and they have growing a little bit, at least a little bit. And yeah, that will appreciate me being a part of it and include me in not just the software part of the business, but in the business part of the business too. I like helping with marketing, with sales, with direction, business planning, and that sort of thing. So that's my what my ideal client looks like. I think there are quite a few similarities there that I like things that I would also look for. I will say part of the value to me of consulting is that you get to work with some variety of variety of clients. So there are some times where I am looking for different things out of different clients, or I've got a lot of one kind of thing already, and I'm looking for something different in, in the next one. But overall, I'm looking for usually for solo founders or bootstrappers. I really enjoy working with people that are at the beginnings of building a product or have already begun or have already built the V1 or something like I really enjoy that stage. Like you, I really like being close to not just the technical decisions, but also the business decisions. And that's probably mostly because I love building products and I want to build my own. And being close to the business owner allows me to sort of sit in the passenger seat while they're driving and sort of observe the choices they're making and how they think about product, how they deal with customers, how they work with customer feedback. And I get to do a lot of the technical work, but I'm also like learning on the job from them. So I really like that. I prefer to work with people who have at least somewhat of a technical background or at least technical adjacent and have an appreciation for a good process and a certain level of code quality. There's variability there, but I think it's very like satisfying to work in a clean code base and to do things related to code quality that may not be just apparent to users or like to customers, but it creates a good working environment for yourself. Okay, everyone. Thanks for listening in. There you have it. Jeremy and I's thoughts on what to look for in a client. We'd love to hear your thoughts as well. So if you're following us on Twitter, shoot us a tweet and respond or maybe reply in the tweet that we put our episode link in.